It's a big deal. Just come all the way around the pulpit, just right around this whole, this whole way here. Put your hands together for this beautiful family. Just come. All right. Come on. Come on, Chanel. You should be up here. Just bring, bring all the babies. Bring them all. Okay, so we're going to dedicate. Yes. Okay. Shane Kamana O Ikaika Kalekini Ostamiller. Wow, there he is. Just come gather around, come close. George, would you come and uh, Reggie, would you come and just join in real close right here? Let's let's pray for let's pray for baby Shane. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the miracle of children. And it's on this Sunday that we bring this precious child before you. We ask now, Lord, if there be any need of healing in his physical body, anything that might have happened even while he was in his mother's womb, that you would heal him and that you would touch him. We pray a blessing upon him today. Lord, we dedicate him unto you and we pray that you would keep him close to you, that you would protect him, hide him even under the shadow of his wings. As his his mother and father, raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When he comes of age, we pray that he would choose to serve you and live for you all the days of his life. I thank you that every generational sin and iniquity is cut off. And we pray now upon shame. The blessing, the patriarchal blessing of the people of faith that comes down from generation to generation. We bless him and dedicate him unto your service. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Uh, Wonderful. Praise God. Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Bless you. We do have some notes for you. Now, let me tell you that we are in the middle of a series, in the midst of a series called Tearing Down Strongholds that I've been doing on Sunday night. However, because of the nature of today's message, Sunday night being a family service, I chose to preach it this morning. It's called Tearing Down the Stronghold of Lust. Brace yourself. I'm going to bring it. Are you ready? Okay, let me tell you now, the children's church is upstairs. Alright, I'm not going to hold anything back, although I'm not going to be offensive on purpose. I'm going to talk about it, going to deal with the issues of the stronghold of lust. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. Again, if you don't have notes, just slip your hand up. One of our ushers will bring that to you. 1 Corinthians 6. Reading verse 12 through 20 in the New International Version. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. The body is meant, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that He who unites Himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee. Everybody say flee. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've been, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, Honor God with your body. Let's pray. 
Father, we come before You and we're asking, Lord, that You would move in great power. Would You lift Your voice right now and pray and ask God to speak to you? Move in power, we pray. We ask God for Your unction, for Your anointing to come. Move beyond the confines even of our, of our mind. Let it not be a lecture. Change us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. In Judges chapter 6, there is a young man by the name of Gideon. He's hiding under a wine press, threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, and begins to call Gideon to become the deliverer or judge to become a deliverer for God's people. The book of Judges is filled with stories, historical events of how God's people turned from God. Then they would cry out in their, in their oppression and God would raise up a deliverer and then they would backslide again and God they would be overwhelmed with oppression. They would cry out. God would raise up a deliverer. Gideon is one of these deliverers. And one of the first things that God tells Gideon is to go tear down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah pole of his father. In the process of making an altar to the Lord, God tells him, you've got to deal with these things in your household. Let me say this. If you don't learn to tear down the idols in your own home, you don't learn to tear down your own personal strongholds. You'll never do anything for God. And we will be stalemated and stagnant and, and void of power and authority while the enemy ravages our homes, ravages our nation, ravages the countries of the world. God has called us to be like a Gideon. So we started a series called Tearing Down Strongholds. You say, well, where is that in Scripture? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-6. through 6. Tearing down strongholds and mindsets. You could entitle it tearing down idols because strongholds really become idols. A stronghold is a lie. Everybody say it. It's a, it's a lie that's in somebody's mind. Eduardo Sovoso, an Argentinian revivalist, says that a stronghold is a mindset that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to the Word of God. If you believe something that's contrary to God's Word, you are believing a lie. The power of the enemy is in a lie. You say, Pastor, well, I don't have any idols. Well, let's, let's find out. I don't have any strongholds. Well, let's see. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. America has made a god out of lust and sex. Everything is sold with lust. Just about. Everything is sold with sex. Even though only 1% or 2% of the internet market is porn sites, that 1% or 2% fuels, I've read, fuels the whole internet market. It's so lucrative that it fuels the, the World Wide Web. I don't know that that's true, but it is an interesting statistic if it is. We live in a time where idolatry and the like is big business. There's been a stronghold that's been established in our nation, in our culture, with such ferocity that it is literally shaping the minds of a whole generation. You say there is? Yes, there is. Let's look at the text and look at your notes. And I'll, I'll give you the blanks as we move along. This is a, an epistle. An epistle is a Greek word for letter. The Apostle Paul writing to a... Corinth, which is a morally corrupt city. In fact, back in the first century, if you were Corinthian, if you were to Corinthianize somebody, you would have corrupted them. That's what that word would mean. The city was so corrupt that the name Corinth, or to Corinthianize something, would be to totally pollute it and to corrupt it, to defile it. In Corinth, there was a marvelous church there, but there was a problem of a stronghold of sexuality and lust in the church. There in Corinth, there was a temple, and you can even see the remains of it. It's called the Temple of a Thousand Vested Virgins. They would basically worship God through sex. 
And it's sad that the church in that area, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, the church in that area has been greatly affected by that mindset, by that stronghold of lust and sex. And he's writing to the church. There's sexual evil going on in the church. You know, when our parents were growing up, they had like, leave it to beaver. How many of you remember leave it to beaver? All right. Father knows best. Right. They had they had they had. TV shows and movies where there was a moral theme. We weren't, I don't, I wouldn't think we would call ourselves a Christian country back in the 50s or maybe the 40s, depending upon how old you are, even the 30s. But there was a moral theme in stories, in, in, in TV, that Father knew best. There was a moral theme in it. Now you have South Park. And uh, the Simpsons, where the father is made out to be a total moron. Women are made to be emotional basket cases, and kids run everything. Been a big change in America. You say, what's the big deal? It's a big deal because we've been boiled slowly. Sexual evil was going on in the church there in Corinth. And you can read about it in the, in the text of First and Second Corinthians. Of a, a man is sleeping with his father's wife, committing adultery with his stepmother, and it's being tolerated in the church. Our world is in big trouble. You see, the enemy has this diabolical plan to corrupt you and I with lust and sexuality, to put a stronghold in us so that we literally have our minds warped to such a degree that, you know, lust and sexual expression is worshipped. All right, how do we tear down the stronghold of lust? I'm, I'm glad you asked. You should see some of the faces I'm looking at right now. Praise the Lord. You'd be like, is he actually talking about sex? Absolutely. And the re- you know, part of the problem is, is that it's not dealt with in pulpits. And as a result, look, this is not kids' church. I've told you already. Kids' church is upstairs. If you have children that are here, this might not be the service to be in. I'm not going to get real graphic, but I'm going to take the head off of this thing in Jesus' name. Maybe some of your kids actually need to hear it. They probably know more than you think they do. How to tear down a stronghold of lust. First of all, deal with the lie. Sexual sin, sexual sin starts in the mind. Starts in the mind, just like every other sin, as James talks about. In chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? The wicked people don't go to heaven. And then he defines what wicked is. Brace yourself. Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, or homosexual offenders... We'll go to heaven. Paul defines all sexual activity. That's basically all sexual activity outside of the marriage covenant. So look at number one. Fornicators don't go to heaven. Look at somebody say, praise the Lord. He's not talking to you. Ha ha. Fornicators aren't going to heaven. So you can say you go to church all that you want to. You say, well, I go to church, pastor. Well, good. You'll just be a religious person in hell. He said, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, it's deceitfully wicked above all else. Fornicators don't go to heaven. And that's what some of you were, says Scripture. How many have been redeemed? How many have been cleansed? Come on, somebody. Thank God for the, the power of the blood of Jesus. Fornicator or porneia, that's where we get the Greek word. The Greek word is porneia. That's where we get the word pornography from. Every aspect of sexual expression outside of marriage is evil. And I'm going to show you why. I'll prove it in Scripture. That every, that every, sexu- se- every bit of sexuality outside of marriage is considered evil, considered wicked. And if it's practiced, you end up going to hell over that. You might say that you, you don't know anything that I'm talking about. That could be a defense mechanism. Look, look at two. Sex is made by God. God's, look, God came up with sex. The devil didn't come up with sex. It's God's idea. Come on. All the married people say hallelujah. 
It's God's idea. It's God's idea. Sex is God's idea. Okay? The devil didn't come up with The devil's not the originator of pleasure. Now, God made sex. You can look at Genesis 2. He made it for a purpose. He said, you did? He did? Yeah, he did. And the first purpose that God has a threefold purpose. He, he made us male and female. And we're to become one, joined together in the sexual act. That's how you become one in marriage. The threefold purpose of sex is this. The first one is oneness. Everybody say oneness. Covenant nurturing for a lifetime. Being one. It's a spiritual dimension. Oneness. The second purpose is pleasure. Come on, somebody say pleasure. <clears throat> Song of Solomon in the Psalms. Over and over, sex is supposed to be enjoyed and part of a, a, a joyous lifetime covenant and it's, that involves pleasure in marriage. The third purpose in the threefold purposes of God creating sex, is for children. Children to be birthed into that covenant of, of, of marriage and raised for the glory of God. Given that, you can see why sex outside of the covenant is so wrong. Because it cuts against the very purpose of why God made you. You see, sex outside of marriage is so wrong because God made it to be in the context of marriage. And when it's outside, it destroys people. It destroys children. It destroys individuals. Sex has become like, you know, like let's, let's go ride some motorcycles. It's become entertainment for so many. It destroys the very purpose of who we are. Made male and female. The beauty of who God made us to be. To just do casual sex is to literally demean the purpose for why you breathe. Let me run that through again because that's good. To, to have just casual sex, in other words, just outside of the covenant marriage, is demean God's purpose for you and me. It's to undermine and to demean the very truth that we're made in God's image. And for the purpose for which we're breathing. The third thing that Paul does is to deal with the very arguments, and this is great, man. They deal with the very arguments that the church is saying. Look at, look at verse 12. Because what they were saying, see, when you, read, when you read and you study through the epistles, you have to listen to it like you're listening to your teenager having a conversation on the phone. You just get to hear one side. How many of you know, if they're not paying attention, you can understand everything that's happening in that particular phone call if they're just, somebody's just talking. I mean, my wife and I are really good at it. We get a phone call in the middle of the night. I sit straight up in bed. Is everything okay? She's looking at me. Okay, when did it happen? What hospital are you at? She's figuring out accident, injury, somebody's got a problem. What hospital? It's at the valley. Okay, okay, then I might say their name. Okay, great. Now, now she knows it's this particular family. Bam, bam, bam. We're off the phone, praying in tongues on the way to the hospital. She was able to figure it out. I can fill her in after. When you read the epistles, it's like reading one side of a phone conversation. So, in this text, it says, everything is permissible for me. In fact, it says it two times. See, the church is saying, basically, look. God made me to have desires. So what's the problem? And, he, and, and then they say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. In other words, I have a stomach so that I can eat and it can put nutrients into my body in the same way I have sexual organs and so I should be using them as my desire moves me forward. I am hungry, I eat. I have lust, I have sex. What's the problem? That's the argument. That's what he's saying in the text. Everything is permissible for me. See, they're saying basically, look, we're under grace, Paul. We're under grace. This is not the Old Testament. So if I go out and do whatever my body wants to do, I can then repent afterwards anyway. It's a faulty view of God's grace. Look at three. Although we're under grace and not the law, our freedom must be exercised in the context of love. 
Look, he says, yeah, that's true. But not everything is beneficial for me. Everything is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. See, look, you can do things that hurt yourself. I personally know people that, that, I mean, they have these patterns in their lives. They might as well stick their finger in a pencil sharpener repeatedly. Why? Because they have strongholds. They have mindsets. They have lies that have permeated their thinking. So they just live that way, thinking that it's all right. All the while, destroying their lives, destroying their family, destroying those around them. And they wonder why they're constantly on this treadmill of pain. Listen, if you want to get off the treadmill of pain, all you have to do is live the way that God prescribes for us to live in the Word. And it might be abnormal for you as it was for me when I first gave my heart to Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, for me personally... I had so much pain in my life, I just wanted somebody to help me so that I didn't have to have any more. It wasn't even so much about loving God. I just got tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of hurting myself, tired of hurting other people. I got tired of hurting God. I fell in love with Him and realized what He did for me, and then I learned to live right. I renewed my mind. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you go into heaven, baby. Just because you got baptized... You could have baptismal waters dripping off your face and split hell wide open. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I'm going to encourage myself for a second. Amen. Praise the Lord, Pastor Daniel. Preach it. Preach. Bring the Word. Tear down the stronghold of us. Come on, Jesus. All right. As Ivan Tate it says, I'm not feeling the love. What's up? Just because you have some emotional fling with someone, that's not love. Love is when you stand by somebody when they have bad breath. And I mean that on every level. I was a project manager for Hazardous Waste Company years ago. And, uh, and there was this brother who came and... Uh, he came and he was married for like 20 years or something. Now, at that point, I think I was 20. I was just stupid and think I knew everything. I, mean, I was brain damaged, but I thought I had the world by the tail, as some 20-year-olds have that issue like I did. Anyway, he was telling me about his marriage. And he was telling, he showed me a picture and his wife was, you know, she was huge. I mean, she was really fat. Okay, so, so as he shows me the picture, I'm thinking, whoa, right? You know, my standard at 20 is not like, you know, I look at this picture, I'm thinking, whoa. I mean, she's like twice the size of him. And I looked at him, and I could tell he knew what I was thinking, because I looked at him and I went, wow. He goes, yeah, she's big, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, well, you know something? I married her 20 years ago, and I love my wife. I go, oh, that's nice. I mean, I... That was like totally foreign to me, hearing that kind of thing from somebody. He probably knew the Lord. I don't know. Well, I married her 20 years ago in the thin days. And he says, yeah, I loved her in the thin days and I love her in the fat ones. Hallelujah. Love, love has nothing to do with an emotional fling. has nothing to do with the way somebody looks. Whether you're, he's, I've fallen out of love with them. It's because you're a fool. Let me understand what love is. Love is a commitment. It has nothing to do with lust. It has nothing to do with sex. Love. How do we know what love is? Scripture says that one man laid down his life for another. You say, you know, your, your boyfriend says, I love you. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. I love you. Yeah, he loves you like he loves chocolate. He'll love you. He loves you like he... Loves his motorcycle. He loves you like he loves his car. He loves you like he might love money. You're not a play toy. You're not a thing. You're made in the image of God. And when you, when you engage in that kind of holy activity, it's holy because it's under the, con- the context of marriage. Outside of that, you're headed to hell. If you continue in it. You say, is it... If I fornicate just once, does that take me to hell? Look, you're already on the wrong thing. So I could just do it once then? You're missing the point. 
Everything's permissible for me. Paul answers that by saying not everything's beneficial. Not everything is coming from the context of love. And then he says, I'll not be mastered by anything. Fill in the second blank. And must not bring bondage. Why would you do something that would bring you into bondage? God gave us a sex drive. And I'm going to tell you why He gave you a sex drive. Some of you are like tormented by the fact that you have one. But it's for the purpose of drawing you to the opposite sex. That's a healthy thing. But there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, we're under grace. But it's so that you can prosper, not be in bondage. Food for the stomach, stomach for the food. Verse 13 talks about that. God, God gave you a sex drive. It just gets warped through a stronghold of lust, thinking that you can actually satisfy this drive that you have outside of the plan of God. Look at four. God is a judge of how we're to use our bodies. Look, your body is, is meant for the Lord, the Scripture says. You can become so addicted to food that you have what's called the sin of gluttony. You know, that's the, the one sin that most Christians allow themselves. I'm trying. I remember hearing a message on gluttony like the week before Thanksgiving. I just thought that was like totally demonic. It's probably the Lord trying to help me. But I hardened my heart and ate until I was tired anyway. Amen. Our bodies are made for worship. Look at A. God's a judge of how we use our bodies. Your body's made for worshiping the Lord, not for fornication. Your body is made for worshiping the Lord. We're made for Him. Come on, somebody say, I'm made for Him. Our bodies belong to the Lord and God sees them as important, so much so that He'll resurrect us. We get resurrected bodies. Look, somehow in the plan and the economy of God, your physical body is important because God's going to resurrect it later. You get a glorified body. There's something about it. I, I don't... Yeah, it's like, whoa, yes. Hallelujah. My glorified body's just totally ripped. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder what ripped in the spirit looks like. Probably nothing like we think. We've been so polluted by bodybuilding magazine and all kinds of stuff to think that that's, that's what ripped is. Glorified body, he says in Scripture. He gives us a glorified body. Whatever that means. Amazing, isn't it? So our bodies are important. And we're in covenant relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 17. Now this is, this is fascinating, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. See, when you yield to that stronghold of lust, you yield to the stronghold of sex, which is really an idol. You give into it. You, what you're actually doing, watch this. You are breaking the covenant with God. You break covenant with God. Because, look, your body's not your own. Look at verse 19. Do you not know that, you're, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you? Whom you've received from you? You are not your own. You are not your own. Once you give yourself to Jesus, you believe that He died on a cross and rose again from the grave, you confess your sins to Him. He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Guess what? You've been purchased. Now, look, I own my truck. If you want to borrow it, you have to ask me. And the fact is, I'm not lending my truck to just any old Tom, Dick, and Harry. Why? Because they might crash it. Because I have a responsibility. There's liability. There's legalities involved in lending things. Hello? Your body's been purchased. You don't, even know, you don't own the keys to your body. You don't own yours. It's not, it's not yours. Unless, of course, you've not been purchased. And if that's the case, we can redeem that later. And I'm going to tell you, God wants, God wants you. He wants you. Look at five. Your body's a temple of God who is purchased by the death of His Son. Your body's been purchased by the blood. We just preached a message on the blood of Jesus. His blood has cleansed us. But as a result, you've been made new. He owns you. You know, some sin 
We like to just say the sin is sin. Sin is sin. What's the big deal? It's just sin. The problem with that thought, sin is sin, but some sin has greater ramifications than others. The sin of murder is a wicked thing because it destroys the image of God in man. And when somebody's murdered, you never see them again. That sin has greater ramifications than somebody stealing the Snickers bar from Walmart. That sin is a greater sin than somebody just lying. Sin is sin, but some sin has greater ramification. Paul goes on to say in verse 18, are you all there? Verse 18, all other sin a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Fornication is a sin against our own body. When you sin sexually, it's not only affecting you and your relationship with the Lord and breaks covenant with Him, but it also affects your own body. You might not know this, but when you've had sex with somebody outside of the context of marriage, the covenant of marriage, what actually happens is that which has taken place in that person's body is transferred to you. You become one with that person. And that which has taken place inside your body and spirit is united with that other person. And that, that is such a major deal that it should only happen with one person for the rest of your life. That's one of the reasons divorce is so painful and difficult. Because it literally rips you in half and you have to get healed of that. Soul ties. So painful and so difficult. Now, I want you to just brace yourself. I'm going to read you just a, a, some facts here from an article of World Magazine. And this is actually October 7, 2000, 2006. It's called The Silent Killer. Now, you've heard of HIV? You've heard of HIV? AIDS. You've heard of that? Okay. You had, have you heard of HPV? You haven't really heard of that. Most people have not. It's a, a disease that attacks the woman and causes ovarian cancer. And in this article that I read, it, it clearly stated that they found now that this virus, HPV, is directly linked to ovarian cancer. The thing about it is that a man can give HPV, but it, nothing affects him. Many of you heard of uh, Ava Perone, Avita. There was, a, uh, there was a Broadway show that came out. Madonna played a role in it. And in the early 50s, before the patient's Bill of Rights and managed care and doctors, all of that, she died. You know, they, they tried to cover up what her cause of death was. Her cause of death was ovarian cancer. Now, the Argentinian pre president, Juan Perón, went to great lengths to cover that because his first wife died of ovarian cancer too. Paul says all other sins are committed outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. There are ramifications. Look, this is just one venereal disease. I'm not even going to go on to talk about lymphogranuloma venarium or a whole host of others. There is an effect that it has in your body. And if it's not a disease, there is a spiritual effect it has. There are 6.2 million cases of HPV at present in our country. 6.2 million. The cure, here, listen to this mess. Here's the cure that they're coming up with. They've decided... They're going to protect people from an HPV virus. And so they're going to, they are begun to inoculate nine-year-olds. Because they don't think in any way that anybody can keep themselves pure and abstain from sexual immorality from fornication. So, they'll, so they're, they're inoculating nine-year-olds. Church, can I tell you something? We have a radical problem, a radical stronghold of lust and sexuality in our culture. It might be in your home. It might be in your mind. And honey, friend, let me just tell you right now, you need to tear that thing down and we need to deal with it. Because inoculating a nine-year-old is, is ridiculous. I don't need to inoculate my nine-year-old because I teach my kid purity. We model it in our home. 
how to tear down the stronghold of lust. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Go ahead. Look at somebody. Slap them five. Go ahead. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. What a happy message. Hallelujah. Just feel so lifted up. Go ahead. Turn to somebody. Slap them five. Come on. Go ahead. Make it count. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, the word discovering that HPV is all over the place. And Paul had the word of the Lord thousands of years ago. It's against your own body. Are you saying that AIDS is a result of sexual immorality? Very possibly, yes. All right, deal with your lust by, first of all, fleeing fornication and sexual immorality. Flee. Everybody say flee. Flee. The book of Genesis records Joseph, a handsome young man, ran from Potiphar's wife. Some of you need to run. Look, I first got saved. I got this great job at the Grand Hyatt Wailea. I was making $150 a night just in tips, sometimes $200, sometimes $250. I mean, making big money as a waiter. I mean, it was big money for me. I was a young kid. Then, I, you know, it was just awesome. On New Year's, now I'm trying to serve God with all my heart. On New Year's, I, I go to my job. It's going to be chaos. There's all kinds of hot shots and wealthy people from wealthy, famous people from all over the world that are there at the hotel. And they're all going to come to this restaurant. Probably not all of them, but you know what I'm saying. It's packed. I'm serving. It's, it's, a, it's a great night. It gets to get close towards midnight on December 31st. And the place starts going wild. Drugs start coming out all over the place. The kitchen help, the people in the back. There's all kinds of stuff happening like in the walk-in fridge. Okay? I mean, I'm not going to get all into it, but it starts getting really messy, really ugly. And, and I start getting hit on by a number of waitresses. Now, I wasn't married, praise the Lord. Not that that hasn't happened when I was married. That kind of stuff happens. Even if you do a wedding band on. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So I realized I was going to fold. I wasn't the paragon of virtue, baby. I'd only been saved a couple of weeks. I'm just thinking, ah, 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 ah. I'm just losing my mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, you just been all, oh, peace be with you all. No, I was losing it. I was totally losing it. Everything looked good. The Dom Perignon that was coming back. You know, people just flinging money and all kinds of stuff happening. And I realized, ah, 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 I'm going to lose it. I'm going to backslide. I'm going to turn my back on Jesus. And for me, look, I'm not going to get into my whole testimony, but I didn't have another backslide in me. I knew that for me, that'd be like suicide. And so in the middle of that, it's all coming down. The girl's waiting for me in the back. The drugs and everything are everywhere. I'm out on the floor and I just went, ah, ah, ah. I just, I literally ran off the floor, abandoned my tables, ran into the kitchen, passed the girl, all that stuff, grabbed my bag, ran right out the back door, kept running, crossed the property, all the way to the, the, the employee parking, got in my 1969 Pontiac Le Mans, started that thing up, and punched it, fishtailing everywhere, all the way out, straight home, came skidding into my driveway, closed the door, and was like, ah, 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 I, I got out, I got out, and part of me He's like, go back. No, no. Flee. Everybody say flee. Joseph ran. There's a time to run, baby. I didn't backslide. Hallelujah. I backslide after that, but God help me. Amen. Hey, it's an ongoing battle, people. I don't have any of that stuff in me now, but it's taken a, taken a while for God to help me tear down the strongholds in my life. It's not just come to one service and hallelujah, everything's awesome. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You just go to church once on a Sunday and that's the only time you hear the Word of God, you're a fool. You'll, you'll crumble. You'll fail. You'll cave in. You're watching Days of the Idiots all the time on TV, constantly barraged by sexual images, constantly watching rated R movies, constantly feeding yourself on the Internet. And you wonder why you have this, ah, this beast. Give me a break. Everybody say flee. It's not just going to fade away. You're a sexual being. That's not going to change. God made you like that. Now you have to learn to... Use it for the glory of the Lord. 
The first thing you need to do is be careful of your environment. Everybody say, be careful of your environment. Parents, do you know who your kids spend time with? Do you know who they hang out with at school? Do you just let your kids go over anybody's house anytime and have sleepovers? If you do, you're setting yourself up for your kid to have a sexual immorality problem. You're setting yourself up for your kid to be a fornicator. You say, well, they all learn to control themselves. Well, they're learning it from you. You've got to teach them. You have to train them. You've got to be careful of your what? Your, your environment. Don't, you know, if you allow your kids to date at a young age, I think that's foolish. Kids don't know how to handle emotions. They don't know how to handle. They don't even know what love is. So they have all these hormones that are raging. Before you know it, ah, they've jumped on each other, you know. Hello? It's like throwing a match into, into gasoline. We have a fire pit outside our house. One of my favorite things to do in Alaska... You know, I used to be like, my wife, we were trying to learn how to start fires, you know, and, and so it's just like, well, you get a little piece of paper and you crinkle it up and you get some twigs and you let it, not at my house, man. We have a thing called Boy Scout juice. In fact, brother Joe taught it to me. Boy Scout juice is basically my 50 to one, uh, chainsaw mix. And I put that over my fire and I stand back and I go, yeah. That's the Alaska way to start a fire. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, come on, somebody. Yeah, well, I put a little bit too much on this one time. And now Danny and I, we've got this fellowship of starting fires. Of course, he loves it. His hair goes back and it's just awesome. So he just put a, a little bit too much Boy Scout juice on there. And I go, okay, get back. It's going to be a big one. He goes, okay, Dad. So he backs up and I'm like, oh, my, wait, wait. I mean, my wife came out. What happened? There's this, you know, kind of. If you let your kids date at a young age, you're waiting for that. That's what you're waiting for. And when it comes, you say, oh, look at that happen. I mean, they've been having phone sex for weeks and months. They've been talking to each other and meeting in secret places and skipping study hall at school to go, come on. How have you bumped your head? I'm trying to help you. Some of you are adults still doing the same thing. I know probably not in this church. Because we're Pentecostals. Shop, up, 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 up. Be careful of your what? Be careful of your environment. Who you spend time with, you will become like. Bad company corrupts good character. Secondly, build a fence around your life. Do what? Build a fence around your life. You might come into a place where there's evil. And then it can get on you. Listen, if you're just in the world, which we all are, we're in the world, we're not supposed to be of it, we're in it. And when you're in it, you need to be careful. That's why some of you need a foot washing. Right? We're cleansed. Jesus washed at our feet because... It's a picture of what happens to us in the world. We're walking in the world and we can see things. We can hear things. We can experience a defilement. Yeah, I used to go to the gym a lot. I'm so glad I don't go anymore. Because there's just stuff there that I end up seeing that i got to come back and, you know, tell my wife, yeah, I was working out and some lady came and butt floss and just bent right over in front of me. Listen, I'm not trying to offend you. What I'm trying to do is if you can't tell your wife about that baby, then you don't have a fence around you. And, and you say, well, I'm not affected by that. Praise the Lord. Every one of us can fall. Every one of us. And if you see something that affects you in such a way that causes you to begin to think or have feelings or start stirring you up, then you need to deal with that. You need to cut it off. It's part of building a fence around your life. Look, I'm not saying these things just to be funny. I'm saying them because it's reality in life. And if you don't learn to deal with it and you don't hear it from me, who's going to talk about it? Who's going to talk about the lust problem that, that, is, uh, that is occurring in the church? There are more pastors that backslide and sleep with their secretaries and stuff. Not in this house. It will not happen. I'm madly in love with my wife. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And every other woman's a man. Amen. And I'm not attracted to them either. 
And that's the way it is. And I spent, look, part of building, I mean, I've done this before, and, and, but I've got to tell you, part men, now there's single people here, we're going to talk about you in a second, I'm, I'm only going to preach for another five minutes. But in your married life, look, you have to study your wife. You, it's called etching. As you stare at your wife's face or stare at your husband's face, it burns an image of her in your, in your heart and in your spirit. I, I, st- I checked my wife out. You better believe it. She's mine. Now, if you check her out, we've got a problem. Some of you need to do that. It's part of building a fence. And if something happens to me on the Internet, literally, I, I've, I've, I've been disciplining myself in this for, for quite a while now. Literally, when, I, when something starts to come over the Internet that is like a, a porn flash or a pop-up thing, I'm going to tell you what happens for me. The, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on me the second before it happens. It's a unique, uh, it's a unique sense. The Holy Spirit can come in healing. There's a deliverance anointing. There's a, there's a unique anointing that comes upon me to protect me. I feel it. It comes like a shield. And when that happens, I was like, oh, here it comes. And I can turn my, turn my, I reach up and turn my, turn my uh, computer off, turn off your monitor, I close windows, whatever. Occasionally, like, I don't know, the past 10 years, I think maybe I've gotten, you know, hit by something on my computer twice. Maybe twice. Be like, that's like once a, that's like two times every day for some of you. Now, part of the reason is because I use a Mac, and I am absolutely proponent of Mac because I don't get any of the viruses and all that stuff, and it's just way better for me. You've got to build a fence. Everybody say, build a fence. You know, it's not that you're walking into an environment, but you can be in an environment that that can get on you. You can just be in your home, and you can have stuff come on you. You have to build a fence. You have to deal with it. You have to understand that you being a sexual being that God has intended for the purpose of moving you into covenant relationship. That's why God has given you a sexual drive for the purpose of moving you into covenant relationship for the glory of God. That's why you have a sex drive. When it gets perverted, the enemy loves to come and pervert that so that you can begin to think that fornication's okay, that adultery is normal, that you can just lust and everything be all right. Are you guys alive this morning? In your thought, in your thought life and in your actions, you know, some of you men, some of you men go to the job and there's one of the girls, that ladies that work there, and they're flirting with you. And you kind of like it. It sort of makes the job, you know, sort of starting to look forward to the flirtation that happens at work. You're setting yourself up for adultery. You're setting yourself up for fornication. You are. Look, if you're single, let me talk about single people. Well, what do I do with this drive I got? I'm single, Pastor. Well, I got a lot of love. Feel the need to spread it all around. Look, here's what you need to do. Sublimate. Everybody say sublimate. Hey, come on, say it again. Sublimate. Ready? One, two, three. Sublimate. What that means is you take all of that drive. And you focus it at God. You serve God. You seek God. You pray. You fast. You diligently seek Him. You put it into serving God and and to working and living right. You develop relationships. Look, I've got relationships with people have no problem coming telling me what they think. I'm glad. I've set it up that way. I'm not untouchable. My wife can talk to me anytime. I've I've got seven or eight bad cats in the Holy Ghost. We're totally accountable. If things happen, they call me or I call them. You have to have, part of building a fence in your life is having a relationship with somebody who you can tell everything to. You start feeling weird. You start being seduced by something at work. Talk about it. Expose it. Come on, somebody say expose it. Take your thoughts captive. Watch your eye gate. Watch your ear gate. Women, don't you just let some men tell you how pretty you are when you're married. You know, be careful. And ladies, if you're single and a married man is telling you, that's a big mistake. Look, men are visual. Women, women are relational. They, they want to know that they feel beautiful. They want to know that they look good. Men, I'm going to tell you, you've got to tell your wives they look good. Well, that'd be lying, Pastor. Well, maybe that's your fault. <laughs> Liars go to hell too, Pastor. I don't want to do that. Maybe it's your fault. 
I'm going to tell you something. If your wife's not beautiful, fellas, it's your fault. Look, whatever you, whatever, whoever you got married to, that was your choosing. Ten years later, that's what you made, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You love your wife like Christ loved the church, and she becomes beautiful no matter how ugly she is. Somebody say amen. Come on, that's the truth. All right, praise the Lord. My wife's shaking her head at me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm almost done. Come on, somebody say, build a fence. Don't have any secrets. Say it with me. Look, in my family, we have a little, a little saying. We have no secrets. Brackens have no secrets. In my family, we have none. The kids have none. My wife and I have none. Everything is laid bare open. There is no secrets, period. One of the ways the enemy operates in this area, in fact, in any area, is to get you to just begin to hide that thing. You start feeling for somebody, but you're married. You start feeling drawn to go have submarine, watch the submarine races with your girlfriend, but you know it's wrong. Submarine races are a 50s statement where people would go and park on a cliff over the water and watch submarines race. Well, you can't watch them because they're under the water. Okay, so then you end up sucking face, and before you know it, you've blown it. Okay. You start feeling like you want to go do that. You've got to set your life up. I want you to turn this with me, and I'm I'm almost done. Ephesians 5. This is a good word this morning. Come on, we're going to tear down the stronghold of lust. Amen? Come on, give God a shout. Some of you are like, man, I wanted to leave in the first part, but I knew they were. No, I'm a fornicator, so I had to stay. Jesus, help me. Okay, Ephesians 5.13. Check this. (laughs) Don't you hate that? Oh. All right, we're going to get, we're getting to the remedy. Ephesians 5.13, but all things are exposed, are made manifest by the light. This is the New King James, because it does a better job than the NIV in my mind. Are manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Here's the thing. The enemy will lie to you, but if you hold that in, it begins to be like a, it begins to be like a cancer. It begins to grow and have strength. When you expose what you're going through with somebody who can be trusted, not Sister Bucket Mouth or Brother Backstabber, all right? With somebody who can be trusted. Somebody say trusted. And what happens is that the Spirit will make that light, meaning if you expose it, then it, it just disperses the darkness. So some of you have secrets. You've got to get it out. You've got to get it out with the right person. Because otherwise it can really hurt you and hurt others. Some of you kids, you need to tell your parents. Some of you youth. You need to tell your parents what's going on with you. You say, well, they'll never, never understand me. They were, they were youth too. He said, well, they're not even saved. Well, you know something? They love you probably more than any other person on the planet. I'd say more than anybody else on the planet. Maybe they're, they're loving you to the capacity they can. Some people don't know how to love because they, you can't give what you haven't received. Jack, that'll preach. If you haven't really received love, then it's hard to be able to know how to give it. Some of you need to talk to your parents. Some of you need to talk to, to, to me or my wife, to a, to a counselor. Begin to remove some of this stuff. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be afflicted. You don't have to be all bound up by lust or greed or anger. You don't have to be bound. God came that he might destroy the works of the devil so that you can live free. Some people think that, well, I'm just doing whatever I want is free. No, you're, you're like a pull toy for the devil. You're being bound. You're, you don't have a life of free. You know what a, you know what a pull toy is? Here's little ones with the little ducks and the flaps and it quacks and stuff. Yes, that's just the way some of us are. That's the way some of you are. I used to be that way. I don't like it. You just pull on your little cord and you just go on some pattern. You've got to build a fence. You've got to break those patterns. You've got to expose things. You've got to talk with your wife, talk with your husband, talk with your parents, talk with your friends, single people. Somebody who loves God. Everybody has patterns and they need to be broken. 
The boy who came, Dr. Morocco, told the story many, many times. Two minutes, I'm finished. Michael, would you come? Boy who came and said, "Ah, Pastor, I've got a problem. Can you pray for me? Yeah. He says, well, uh, every time I'm on my way home, I I go in the five and dime store and I look at pornography. Can you pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. Okay. He says, I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to give you a strategy. Okay, great. He prayed for him. He says, here's the strategy. Go home another way. Take a different route. Don't go by the five and dime store that sucks you in. I'm not even talking about spiritual dimensions and demons, a demon of lust. I'm, I'm not talking about generational iniquity. Any, I didn't have time to go through any of that. All of those things are real. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have an adulterer in your family, in your, in your generational line, watch out. Thirdly, almost done. Repent of your sins. Everybody say, repent. Number four, y'all know what repent is? It means turn. Do not, change your mind. Change your thinking. Ask God to forgive you. Cleanse you. And I don't want to... I could take the whole rest of the, the day to talk about that. You need to turn. Have you heard turn or burn? It's true. Yeah. Keep in mind that, the, that marriage is honorable. Some of you have hang-ups in the intimacy, and that's all I'll say, in your intimacy in your marriage. The reason is because you probably have like, should I say that? You might have other people in the bed with you. What do you mean? What I mean is if you lived a life where there's, you know, you're promiscuous. You lived a life where you fornicated then you have to cut that off. If it was just with one person, you have to cut it off and you have to deal with it. You say, really? Yeah. Look, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but some of you lived a life not in Christ. And when you came to the Lord and you got married, you know darn well exactly what I'm talking about, how the enemy loves to bring the images up of the person you were with 10 years ago now that you're with your beloved wife. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, ladies, all you youth, you listen to me. You don't understand the torment that will come your way if you cave into that thing. Don't cave in. It'll torment you even into your marriage. And can God heal you? He can. Look, there's no secret. I didn't wasn't raised in some water walking, tongue talking house. I had to get cleansed of all that stuff. It's been many, many years. But some of you now wondering why there's no intimacy in your marriage or why it's gone on the rocks. It might be because you've got like 15 people in the bed with you in your mind. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching, kid. You need to cleanse all that stuff. You need to cleanse it. You learn, need to learn to take your thoughts captive. And you need to stop looking at that stuff on the internet. If you can't handle it, unplug your machine. Ten years ago, we didn't have any email. You can get by without it. The marriage bed is honorable. Marriage is honorable, meaning that there is nothing wrong with desiring your wife or your husband in the context of marriage. Not only nothing wrong with it, it's good. And it should be that way. And it's a beautiful, holy, righteous thing that actually is an act of worship. Can we say, should should we pray before we're... Yeah. Before, during, after. It's an act of worship, people. You You want to come up here and see what I'm looking at? It's awesome. (laughs) You're like Alright, lastly Be prepared for a lifetime battle Say it Be prepared for a lifetime battle I used to think, man When's this battle over? When Jesus comes or when you die to go to meet Him That's when it's over It's never over battle rages. I will tell you that God will give you more and more victory. And it, uh, you know, for me, I've just got systems in place that really help me. The battle's no way near what it used to be. Hello, I don't go on, you know, I don't go to Victoria's Secret to, you know what I'm saying? To go look, to shop for some gift for my wife. Why? Because I, 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 I,
They don't have to deal with that image. I've got all the other ones out. I'm not trying to put new ones in. Did you get anything? Stand up on your feet. You can live holy. You can live pure. Deal with lust in your life. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with the misconception and the lie that you think you can just go and have sex anytime you want to. If you're married, that's true. If you're not, it's not true. And all the married people said, single people, we'll pray for you to be delivered right now. Father, no. You ought to pray for your, you ought to pray for your spouse. Learn to sublimate. Take all of that energy and that tension and focus it on God. And work hard. Focus it on work too. Work is good. Look, if you work so hard that you're tired when you come home, you know what helps you? I think working out's a good thing. Look, however, you need to learn to release that, that tension in a godly way. If it was a men's meeting, I'd talk about something else. It's not. There's a godly way to sublimate. Come on, somebody say amen. Lift your hands to Jesus all across this place, those online. Now, here's the way I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray that this thing would be broken. And I'm going to pray. And if it's you, you just pray. You're going to have an altar call, all right? If you're steeped in pornography and watching triple X movies and you want deliverance, come to the front. Don't move. I'm not going to do that. We're just going to break it right here, okay? I don't want anybody to be ashamed or whatever, but you need to expose that with somebody. It doesn't need to be in front of a whole congregation and a bunch of people across the World Wide Web, all right? But you can expose that with somebody who who really loves you and cares for you. If you don't have a relationship like that, I will be that for you. I'm a holder of many, 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 many secrets that I just leave between me and Jesus. And you need to have somebody like that. All right? But you need to develop those relationships in the church. Come on. All right, let me just pray and break this thing. And then it's an ongoing battle. Amen? It's a lifetime battle. Don't ever quit fighting. Amen? Father, in the mighty name that's above every other name, in the name of Jesus, I come against the stronghold of lust, the idol of sex. I pray now in the name of Jesus that every lie would be broken even through the preaching of this message. And God, that your people would live holy. That they would expose any hidden, secret, shameful ways. And Lord, you would free them. I pray for single people to live holy. To learn to sublimate. Take that energy and serve you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, Lord, be your people. Cleanse from the former things. Now used for noble purposes and help us as parents to train our children how to live pure and holy. I find the foul spirit of lust in Jesus' name. I command you, loose your hold from God's people. Loose your hold from these families and their children. Loose your hold. Pornography, I bind you now. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Say it. In the name of Jesus. And let us live as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. Our bodies belong to you. Now, if you're here and you need to recommit your life to the Lord, just right where you are, pray with me. Right out loud. Pray with me. Some of you just need to reaffirm your faith. Pray. Ready? Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me for all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, come. Fill and touch your people. Fill them right now. Come on, just lift your hands. Lift your hearts. Just receive. Put yourself in a position to receive. Fill your people now. In the name of Jesus, we thank and praise you for it. Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap, won't you?
Take someone by the hand. Just reach across those aisles. Reach across the aisle. Make a connection with somebody all across this place. I'm so glad you came. Tonight we'll have service at 6 o'clock. It's going to be off the hook. Powerful service tonight. Don't miss it. Tuesday night, 7.30. You ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' holy name. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We hope to see you next week or tonight or Tuesday. Praise God.